Behold the eye of the peacock, for you are the chosen one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Indiana Jones Universe, the podcast that explores the expanded universe of Indiana Jones as we discuss the Young Indie Television series, the Further Adventures comic books, the Staff of Kings and Emperors Tomb video games, and so much more. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for episode 61, in which today we're going to continue to discuss the soundtrack from Young Indiana Jones as we take a look at the music from Chapter 18. Treasure of the Peacock's Eye, composed by Steve Bramson. Uh, today we're going to be following along with youngindianajonesmusic.com as we talk about some of the musical techniques, tones and styles, instrumentation, and the comparisons from a track from Raiders of the Lost Ark and how this work is different and also similar to the work of the other composers who composed the score for Young Indiana Jones. So without further ado, let's get started, shall we? Yes, we shall. So, Treasure of the Peacock's Eye is composed by Steve Bramson and performed by the Budapest Film Orchestra. Uh, we have 10 tracks, 20 minutes of music, uh, and the sources for today's music is from the composer Steve Bramson's website and uh, two different video games, the uh, Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings video game and the Hunting for Treasure DVD box set game, which is on the third box set of the Young Indiana Jones uh, DVD box set. Yeah, so we have a lot of great music to talk about today from a brand new composer, Steve Bramson. Uh, he is the fifth composer and final composer that we're going to talk about on the podcast in terms of all five that worked on Young Indy. Of course, we have Lawrence Rosenthal and Joel McNeely, the two primary composers who were hired, and then the three other ones, uh, Frederick Talgorn for Trenches of Hell, Kurt Sobel for Transylvania, and now Steve Bramson for Treasure of the Peacock's Eye. And interestingly, going off of what you were saying, Max, uh, there's music used in the Hunting for Treasure DVD game. Uh, we've kind of talked about like the way the DVD games work, but specifically for this episode, it's kind of interesting because uh, if you own the DVD box sets, each um, set that you buy, you know, volume one, two, and three, and so forth, uh, come with bonus DVDs. And each uh, volume actually has its own video game that is based off of one episode uh, from uh, that Young Indiana Jones series or that section. So for volume three here, which is Tales of Innocence to Hollywood Follies, uh, the, this DVD game is actually based off of Treasure of the Peacock's Eye. So it's kind of this mini video game. Um, I've never actually played it myself, but uh, could be kind of fun to review on the podcast at some point, actually. Uh, but basically, it shows some clips from the actual episode itself and then has some brand new art uh, made by some various animators. Uh, but the music is actually used um, from the score to Treasure of the Peacock's Eye. And all the music is just sitting on your hard drive when you download the game um, in this sort of soundtrack folder. So we're going to play a few samples of the music that is included on the soundtrack to that Hunting for Treasure DVD game, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, and yeah, so uh, I think the biggest thing to talk about, though, uh, in this episode is how this work is going to vary from some of the other composers we've heard so far, especially coming off of Kurt Sobel, a vastly different style from Lawrence Rosenthal or Jill McNeely. Uh, now here we have Steve Bramson, which is kind of interesting. And a fun fact, actually, about Steve Bramson is he went to Eastman School of Music to get his master's degree in film scoring. And while he was there... He met Joel McNeely and later worked for Lawrence Rosenthal as an orchestrator for a few years before being hired to actually compose this score. Yeah, kind of a cool fun fact about Steve Bramson, actually, uh, that I just found out on his website, actually. He worked for Lawrence Rosenthal, who I believe also went to the Eastman School of Music, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't know, maybe Max, you know that, but um, I think he uh, worked for him um, because, of course, Lawrence Rosenthal at that time was already a quite an established film score composer. So kind of cool in terms of like why these three other composers got hired for Frederick Talgorn and Kurt Sobel. It's kind of not really known why they were recruited, but for Steve Bramson, we could probably guess in this situation, obviously Treasure of the Peacock's Eye was literally one of the very last uh, episodes they ever produced in terms of this being a TV movie. 
And so basically at this point in time, you know, they were probably looking for some sort of connection that, you know, McNeely or Rosendahl had. And so McNeely and Rosendahl both knew Steve Branson. So he got his shot here to uh, record music for this episode, which is some fantastic music. And I just, there's a lot that I, I'm really excited to talk about today. And, you know, that's the whole point of these soundtrack reviews, to discuss, celebrate, and promote the work of these composers and the phenomenal work that they do on these young indie episodes, because there's just such a great amount of style that comes with each and every episode um, and also its soundtrack which is I think the thing that you know stands out to me as as to why these are so fantastic so with that said let's jump into our first track here The Letter which is from the Hunting for Treasure DVD game and starts off with this beautiful flute theme when Indy finally returns to London to see Miss Seymour. Yes and moving off that flute we also have these mellow strings that come in and we have this very beautiful track with the woodwinds and the strings and it's kind of sad but it's also happy at the same time because we've just found out that Miss Seymour has died and Indy is reading the note to her that she left for him and you hear Miss Seymour's voice reading it and it's very very beautifully conveyed with these wonderful woodwinds and especially that flute in the beginning there. Yeah, I completely agree. It kind of has that little, like, it's happy and sad at the same time. Maybe a little bit more melancholy, too, because you have this beautiful flute theme, like you were saying, yet we found out that Miss Seymour has just passed away. So I think it's it's a great representation of, like, you know, something that's not necessarily so sad. And I think it goes perfectly, you know, with this underscoring here, because Indy's reading this letter the whole time, and we have this beautiful, extravagant flute theme that's playing just silently under it, which I think is so fantastic. And I, again, I love the, the gradual transition as well, which has this increase with the violin section. And then we get back to Remy's apartment and, you know, Indy has that great quote, you know, he's like, you know, we were fighting in the trenches. I used to think about all the faces of the people we were fighting for. And that was Miss Seymour. And so I, I really love this music here that has this beautiful extravagant theme that I think also really goes well with kind of the the optimistic, you know, kind of like actual writings of the letter, but also the fact that it's a little bit more sad that Miss Seymour has passed away. So let's take a listen to the first section of the letter. This track conveys a, a motive function. It's very, very emotional. And I also love the ending part there where they have the piano. You know, the piano is such a versatile instrument. You can create so many sounds with it. It's even gone here in this second uh, half of this track where we, uh, st where we move into more of a very sad tone, starting off with this very low bassoon. Yeah, I love this kind of transition here because it's so interesting how we go from one scene to the next, but it's still part of the same cue, right? So this is all part of the one track, the letter, but it goes into something different. And we have this prelude into kind of the motif for the peacock's eye itself, the diamond. We kind of hear this, you know, really cool phrasing that I like here, how it transitions from, like you were saying, this, this great theme that we had here to then something a little bit more subtle that kind of comes back later in the episode. So right when they're looking at the map, you can hear this. And then at the end, it gets a little bit more uplifting with the uh, with the string section here and also the bells that are thrown in there. So um, I really kind of like how this almost has foreshadowing within the music. It's that cognitive function, you know, it's you're, you're supposed to think about something that's going to happen later because we haven't seen the diamond yet and we don't know what it is. But the first discussion of the diamond alludes to this kind of subtle theme, which is really cool, I think. Yes, I completely agree, you know, and it's very interesting that they put that in there because the diamond is, you know, such a symbolic part of, you know, this episode. That's when you know that film composers spend so much time, uh, you know, 
correlating the music to what's actually happening on screen. You gotta think about it. They get to watch this episode with no music, just dialogue. And I love how beautiful that is. And that's really what gives this the suspenseful and the mysterious kind of vibes that we're getting here. So let's listen to the letter. Moving into our next track, we have Stories Concerning Antiquities, uh, which is from the soundtrack to the interactive timeline from the bonus DVD of the box set. And this is actually from the scene directly after the letter, and we start off with this amazing woodwind and brass intro that I really like, which also is kind of taking what we just heard in the letter as kind of that mini diamond motif and really putting that on full display here, as we also have another example of underscoring with uh, the guide at the museum talking to Indian Remy about what actually happened to the diamond, building off of that suspense we were talking about. Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, that's really what we hear with all these beautiful instruments. We have the flute, we have these beautiful legato notes with this big crescendo uh, with the suspenseful strings building up. And I love the bells and chimes that they include in the back there. Yeah, and also what's really cool as well is kind of like, I like the kind of uh, dynamics that are in here because it gives, I think, the track a nice flair, especially as we kind of have like this sort of like changing element that's going on as we kind of see in the next section here. But I really like as well how we go to kind of this more gradual sort of legato stretch of each and all these notes. I, I kind of like that sort of flair that's kind of thrown in there because it kind of adds a little bit more of that suspense. I feel like that's one of those things where like going kind of on like, what are you supposed to kind of feel from a certain track? I think that's where you kind of have this idea of like, oh, that's a little bit more suspense, you know, because it's kind of just barely stretching over the beat each time. So I, I kind of like that that element is in there. So let's take a listen to the first section of stories concerning antiquities. continuing off that diamond motif we start to get into some ethnic cues with a sitar there and this is kind of like when the flashback is happening to what happened to the diamond you hear all this beautiful cultural music that is supposed to happen and that really signifies exactly what is happening and another great example of underscore yeah, I love what you said there, kind of about the ethnic music kind of thrown in there, because I noticed that as well, how, because I think this is the scene when the, the guide is actually talking about, like, how one of the diamonds, you know, obviously was split up into smaller pieces, and the other one was lost. It was supposedly in India, it was supposedly in China, you know, it was going all over the world, and we have that kind of sitar that's, you know, very kind of interesting minor flute theme there, with the harp thrown in there, and then the tambourine and oboe at the end, building on that suspense there, and uh, again, I really like how the, the dynamic is influencing the phrasing here. We have this really cool kind of added suspense, which again is in another underscoring part. Like it's interesting to think about this music like we are when we're listening to it from the soundtrack from the Hunting for Treasure DVD game. But in the episode, I feel like it's less noticeable. And not to say that that's a bad thing, but it's, I feel like the analysis of the music, like, you know, we're getting really into this here, changes when you're listening to it isolated versus in the episode. What do you think about that? You're right, it is a different kind of, you know, perception of it because, you know, you are really thinking of what is actually happening in the episode. And here, you do hear that a lot, but you have to, you know, make a bit more different inferences in your head when you're just listening to it by itself. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I feel like when you listen to music on its own, especially film score music, you know, there's so much of like that 
um, you know, kind of uh, the music is really constructed with the actual scene and it's embedded in there so well that when you watch something and then you listen to the music on its own, it's interesting to hear what cues stick in your head, you know, like what do you remember about something? Because I definitely think, and we'll talk about this with one of the later tracks, Finding the Treasure, that was really like one of those motifs that stayed in my head, whereas here I'm now noticing for the first time, whoa, they kind of changed the music to kind of match the dialogue, which is really cool. So take a listen to that in the next section of Stories Concerning Antiquities. into our next track, Alexander and His Troops. Only a 13 second track, our shortest track of all. Uh, and we start with these minor second in between each of the notes. It kind of goes da-dun, 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 kind of like Jaws in a way. And I also love the brass and strings there. And this is when Indy actually, you know, you can envision in your head Alexander and His Troops. They find this huge stone tablet in the museum and it you know it's just all all of this kind of coming together really just even though it's only 13 seconds it signifies so much yeah i like this cue a lot because it kind of represents a big climax it's kind of like that aha moment that they really found it it's Alexander and his troops, you know, th those mountains are the same mountains that, you know, they're talking about, you know, the whole map and everything that they found. So it really is that big revealing moment because I love that shot when you see them walking through the hall in the museum. This cue just starts to play. The camera pans over and you see this huge stone tablet, right, of Alexander and his troops, the mountains. They're copying it down and doing a sketch of it. And uh, yeah, really cool in terms of like now looking at small cues because this is from the staff of king's game and i'm sure it's used in kind of one of those situations where it's like it's a small sort of like transitional segment from one level to the next and here you kind of have that similar idea in the actual episode so let's take a listen to alexander and his troops After finding the tablet of Alexander and his troops, now Indy and Remy are off to Finding the Treasure, our next track in today's saga. We have a brand new theme here with very suspenseful full strings and uh, they're in a very nice tremolo pattern. And then we start building on this climax, or what we think is going to be a climax, we start building up here very suspenseful. Yeah, this is an absolutely fantastic track from Steve Bramson's website. We'll play a small sample here to go with our discussion. And I love the grace notes uh, that are in the strings at the beginning, kind of that small suspense. And then this awesome percussion that just comes in with a huge accent right there. And I kind of wanted to talk about this. I, I might be reading in too deep for this. But um, I kind of feel like that like three-second percussion interlude almost is a mini motif for Zyke. And I'm not sure if that was intentional or not because... This actually plays when you see Zyke on the horse. And, you know, Zyke isn't in the episode long enough to warrant a whole theme or anything. But you hear that small, like, percussion theme going with the, uh, the there, I think there's some brass instruments there as well. And um, it's really cool to have this idea, like, maybe that's some mini symbolism for Zyke there. And then, like you said, we have these string tremolo and arpeggios here that lead into this grand new trumpet theme, which is actually a variation on a track we're going to talk about at the end called One Last Adventure, which is kind of this friendship theme for Indian Remy that we hear at about 11 minutes in when they're leaving on the steamship. That actually comes back here when they're going and searching for the temple. And I think my favorite part of this is this new trumpet theme that really reminds you of that classic John Williams style. Yes, definitely. It really does. And I also love how at the end here, the strings kind of linger there in the background. They don't go away. You know, we have the brass and the strings and the chimes, and then just the strings are there. So let's listen to the first section of Finding the Treasure.
moving into our second section of this track, we have a very different style from the first section as we have a little bit of a theme here that actually takes some inspiration from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, so when we listen to this track, see if you can recognize what this sounds like from one of the John Williams tracks from Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we'll tell you when we come back from hearing it. Um, so to start off, we have uh, this music is playing when they actually uncover the diamond itself. And there's this really cool mix of Bramson's own kind of diamond motif that we were talking about um, from the beginning of Stories Concerning Antiquities. But then it kind of leads into this great string pattern from a track from Raiders. And then to kind of symbolize the similarities from not only the scene in the episode, but musically, the track is very similar to remind you of Harrison Ford and, you know, kind of the, the spirit of the movies, which I really love. And then at the end, it transitions into this kind of bassoon theme for Zyke as he finally comes in and says, thank you very much, I will take that off your hands. And, you know, as they finally find the diamond and the gradual suspense, I really love. Yes, Zyke, you know, kind of reminds me of Belloc. Like Belloc, you know, he says, ah, Dr. Jones, again, there's one thing that you can possess that I cannot take away, you know, and he's oh, like, right, yeah. and like, come in, let me take that off your hands, you know, he's just like, give me that now, kind of thing, you know, that's what, the, that big climax that just abruptly ends, and, you know, we also have a big fanfare here, kind of, you know, almost uh, in the, 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 fr kind of the friendship theme with Remy and Indy here at the end. Yeah, I noticed that as well, kind of going off of One Last Adventure as well. And one thing I wanted to say as well is I feel like that is the one, like, really big leitmotif that stands out to me in this whole episode, is that kind of friendship theme between Indy and Remy. I really love it. And another thing I wanted to mention as well is I love the suspense of this because there's almost like two climaxes like i like that kind of ostinato in there because it starts off with you know the violins are building with that suspense with the tremolo like we talked about and then all of a sudden it stops right because that's when indy i believe he pushes in the stone if i'm remembering but he doesn't find the diamond then he puts his hand in there we hear the snake he grabs the diamond and then it's that big fanfare theme for indy and remy so uh yeah take a listen to uh, also what track do you think uh, this is based off of raiders of the lost ark in the second section of finding the treasure Did you catch it? If you didn't, it has a very strong resemblance to the Idol Temple from Raiders of the Lost Ark. A beautiful track, and there are lots of similarities in terms of, you know, what's happening. I mean, the scene is almost identical, so I understand where it's coming from. Yeah, and I'm wondering if this was actually a temp track or not. I'm wondering if this was specifically Bramson's idea or George Lucas suggested it. Kind of interesting to think about it because like you said, the scenes are very similar. I mean, this is really the one time in the entire Young Indiana Jones Chronicles that we have this example of like treasure hunting in the movies. Like we never see that really at all, except for here when there's that huge snake Indy puts his hand in there, grabs the box, and so to remind us of Harrison Ford, you know, how he can go after this treasure hunting and the idol in the beginning of Raiders is just fantastic. So really great choice there. And uh, let's move on to the next track, which is quite different than this one. First Battle with the Pirates, which is used in the soundtrack to the Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings game. First off, we have this really, really cool rhythm that represents a lot of these heavy accents for a traditional fight scene. Uh, and we have a lot of violin tremolo in there as well, which I really like, and this quick and brisk fanfare, uh, as well as some great sync points for the punches that Remy likes to throw. Yes, definitely. And, you know, 
I was listening to this, and it has a slight resemblance to the basket game with the chase music and the fast strings and all those sync points. It really, uh, it, 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 it's not so much the actual music as it is the rhythm sounds vaguely similar with all those accents and everything in there. Wow, that is interesting. I did not pick up on that at all. Um, I actually, now that I think about that, you know, I do kind of see a similarity there with the basket game from Raiders. That actually makes sense because I guess the the, the rhythm is and style is different, not necessarily the notes or the instrumentation, but I do kind of see what you're saying when they're running around and, you know, I guess the scene is also a little bit similar as well when he's trying to find Marion. Um, and yeah, you know, Remy you know, just puts his objects to good use and starts, you know, punching all these pirates, which is just hilarious. And uh, yeah, but it's interesting also to think about like how this music resembles John Williams because, I mean, Finding the Treasure was the big example of that. But I'm not sure if I would say any of these other tracks really do that, you know, to that certain extent. It's kind of interesting to think about that because, you know, we talked about like with the Phantom Train of Doom, how there were those two temp tracks that we kind of were able to spot because the music was so similar to John Williams that McNeely did. And so here, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about, you know, where did the inspiration come from? Did he want to do his own thing or whatever? And, you know, Steve Bramson's a great composer. He's won some Emmy Awards and he does a lot of great stuff. So I'm sure he's a fan of John Williams. And I like how he kind of went and did his own thing while also, again, giving us a little subtle hint in finding the treasure. But um, yeah, with this track here as well, some great woodwind trills that are thrown in there and this fast-paced style to represent a traditional fight. So let's listen to the first battle with the pirates. track our diamond is getting away you might notice has a bit of degraded audio quality and simply because it is coming from the hunting for treasure dvd game and they have to compress the audio down to fit on the dvd so they can have the game and the audio for the game along with everything else that's uh on there and starting off here we have suspenseful dark brass and the strings with the piano and then we kind of transition to the strings building up yeah, it's kind of interesting here what happens here. It starts from this, you know, big, heavy accent, and I love the deep piano notes that you can really hear in there that are really rich and nice. Um, but also, I'm not actually sure how this works, you know, because I don't have a score in front of me, but, you know, it's kind of interesting, this middle section, it kind of sounds like there's a little modulation there. I wouldn't actually know for certain, so I'm just taking a guess there, but it sounds different enough to where it's like, it really jumps out at you as, you know, that small woodwind section there. And this is during the scene when the pirates actually take over the ship and uh, Indy and Remy find out the diamond was in their room the entire time. And of course, Remy, uh, you know, has a great time with that. But uh, I love the suspense of this opening track because I feel like as we get, you know, more and more into this episode, I feel like we're not falling into this sort of like, oh, okay, let's replay all of these lay motifs. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing or what Steve Bramson did was a bad thing. I'm actually saying the opposite. I really like that because I feel like sometimes composers fall into this trap. And not to say that the music is not good, but just the fact that there's always a theme that comes back. And I like that Steve Bramson didn't do that. And while he does have some lay motifs and we hear some similar themes, there's always new material in each new scene. And you can definitely hear that in the first section of Our Diamond is Getting Away.
The next section takes place in one of my favorite scenes where Indy, Remy, and Lily are all fighting, and Remy proposes to uh, chuck Lily overboard <laughs> so they can collect all the winnings for themselves. Yeah, that, uh, that'll go real well. Anyway, we start off with this fast, upbeat rhythm uh, and these tremolo strings, and there's kind of underscoring here, but along with an action theme as well. Yeah, and you know, I noticed the same thing, and it was actually interesting because when I was listening to this, I was thinking to myself, wait a second, you know, how does this go with the scene? And so I rewatched the scene and realized that Steve Bramson did something very interesting here. Like you said, there's a lot of underscoring with the tremolo strings there. There's some interval changes that kind of progress and gradually get louder towards the end. And that's kind of when Indy, Remy, and Lily are all talking. And, you know, Remy's like, throw her overboard, Indy. You know, I can't do that, Remy. And, you know, all these hilarious dialogue quotes. Um, but then you'll hear these awesome trumpet accents that come out of nowhere, these like small five second, you know, mini sections. And that's actually when the camera moves to show the pirate ship getting away. It's really, really clever. And it perfectly is synced up with the actual shots. So kind of cool to notice that as well. Um, we do have a little bit of ostinato with the sync points as well. As you know, Indy and Remy are rowing. We kind of hear a little bit of a reminder of the track first battle with the pirates. Um, and then at the end, I really want to talk about that kind of ending, which has that very sharp and distinct violin ending, uh, which is really cool. Yes, it is a very cool ending. You know, I love how it's, you know, just the violin. We've been ending a lot with, you know, either big blaring brass or, you know, very, very low. This is kind of just there in the middle. Yeah, definitely. It kind of adds that suspense, you know, that one last final note. I think that's an E there, if I'm remembering. Um, and yeah, just kind of just steadily, you know, getting softer on the violin there right as they reach the ship, uh, which is pretty cool. So let's take a listen to the second section of our Diamond is Getting Away. Now moving into our next track, we have Stolen Boat, which is from the Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings video game soundtrack. Here we have a 35 second section here, which happens right when Indy and Remy get to this island, right? They're fighting with the pirates, they finally get to this island, and they've anchored their boat down, and they come back, and they see that it is gone. And we hear these super high violins in this very, very different style than what we've been hearing and talking about previously. And it actually kind of reminds me of actually uh, when Indy gets on the boat and is sick, kind of uh, the delirious Indy track with uh, Joel McNeely from Oganga, the Giver and Taker of Life. I kind of noticed a similarity there, which I thought was cool. I also love the oboe and the chimes here. And, you know, it's, it's very different from anything we have ever heard before in this episode. Interestingly, this file is actually um, in the Staff of Kings game. It's also comprised of this alternate version that we talked about in the last soundtrack review called Dripping Blood, uh, which was a track by Kurt Sobel. Uh, they basically put two pieces of music together. So, um, you know, kind of when you're playing the game, you know, this does sound a little bit similar to some of the Kurt Sobel stuff that we were talking about like a few weeks ago here. Um, which is kind of interesting when you compare it again, analyzing it on, you know, on its own versus actually in the track. So let's take a listen to this uh, great section here and specifically listen for the last section, which has this huge accent in which you can actually really visualize when Indian Remy do get spotted by the natives. So let's take a listen to Stolen Boat.
And coming off of the suspense of Stolen Boat, we now move into this beautiful theme, Far Away. This is during the scene in which Indy uh, is now a little bit sad because of the death of Biok, which was one of the kids from the uh, native tribe that they were staying with. Um, but it kind of has this juxtaposition here because, again, talking about the difference between analysis when listening to music on its own versus the episode, we have this beautiful extravagant violin theme, which I just absolutely love. Yet it's kind of this melancholy theme here um, during this kind of interesting scene in which Indy, you know, was a little bit sad from the death of Biok. Yes, it definitely sounds uh, very nice here, you know, kind of signifying a new beginning is kind of what it sounds like, like Indy is going to be moving on, and in a way it actually sounds like a classical piece named Finlandia. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, I kind of do like the the kind of extravagant theme here. I did notice, like, this did sound like, you know, just that full orchestra feel that I really love here. And one other fun thing to actually mention here is you may notice, um, it's kind of hard because, you know, we're not playing these tracks one after the other, but this sounds extremely similar to the flute theme in The Letter. Um, and interestingly, uh, both of them actually start on a B, and one moves a half step up, the other moves a half step down. And I'm wondering if this was intentional, because both of these scenes deal with the death of, you know, a friend or a loved one. And Bramson decided to use a very similar theme, very melodically. It's so, so similar. Um, and I'm just curious as to, you know, was there some sort of connection there? Kind of the idea of these beautiful, extravagant themes kind of going with these, you know, very sort of sad and melancholy scenes. So let's take a listen to Far Away. Beautiful track, Far Away, but it stops here, which is also the name of our next track. We have a brand new theme here with what I like to call morning strings, and by that I mean this type of, you know, melodic kind of tone that you would hear with these strings really plays in a lot of movies where it's dusk or dawn. Wow, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, because that does actually happen in this scene, I believe. There is, like, a sunset back there while Indy is, you know, sitting on that log or whatever. But, yeah, that's really interesting imagery. I didn't even think about that. Kind of like, you know, what does a certain sound or a melodic progression make you think of? That's really cool. Um, and, yeah, there's also this kind of oboe intro here that's, you know, very soft and, you know, warm. And then the rolling timpani into that full orchestra sound with the strings and the trumpet there. And finally, the woodwinds really get their chance to shine here in this fantastic theme when Indy finally breaks the news to Remy that he doesn't want to continue on their journey for the peacock's eye. So kind of interesting how this starts off with this very emotional theme, but then gets a little bit heartbreaking in the second section. So let's listen to the first opening section of It Stops Here. From this beautiful opening theme, we now transition into something that is a little bit different as we hear a second kind of mini motif within this track uh, with the flute and the bells here. This kind of mini motif when Indy finally tells Remy he's not going to continue on. You know, I don't need a diamond, Remy, to do what I want to do. And this then transitions into this kind of flute theme, which I almost kind of symbolize as like this hopeful kind of look into the future for archaeology. You know, there's this whole sad scene here. Remy is just devastated that Indy's not going to, you know, go with him. And we have brand new material. You know, we don't have kind of a theme that we've heard before. And then this flute theme that I really like, which just really is just fantastic and reminds me of like, you know, Indy's kind of looking at the future and him, he's going to go back to Chicago to study archaeology. 
Yes, I mean, that's very sad. And they have those beautiful bells there in the beginning, which I really love. And this almost kind of wraps up Indy and Remy's friendship, this this section right here. You know, it is so beautiful, and they pack so much into there. And there's a lot of emotive function, too. Lots of emotions. Happy, sad, you know. Indy is sad that he's leaving Remy, but, you know, as he said, he can't search for it for 10, 15 years. I mean, he has, he has to move on with his life. You know, let's listen to this beautiful section of It Stops Here. We continue on with more fantastic underscoring to end this track here as we have two themes here that kind of come back and are mixed together that we've heard in this track. The strings are really in the background where the woodwinds really are the forefront of this section and this just sad kind of, you know, relationship theme for Indy and Remy. You know, this is kind of the end for them and I love how that's signified at the end with this legato and melodic, you know, kind of section and then at the end we have this fantastic cadence that really adds that finality. Yes, definitely. It is so beautiful. You know, the bells are symbolic of their friendship. The strings are sad, and they're, you know, they're saying a tearful goodbye. And I love the woodwinds thrown throughout there, you know, kind of just in the background. It's almost a motif of the first two sections of this song. Yeah, and one other thing I wanted to mention as well is I feel like this is another one of those tracks in an underscoring situation with so much dialogue that I feel like this is actually one of those situations in the episode where this track really does get an opportunity to present itself. I really do remember this one from watching the episode and hearing this beautiful music. So uh, let's take a listen to kind of this friendship theme for Indian Remy. It stops here. With that, we're moving into our final track from this episode, One Last Adventure, uh, which is from Bramson's website and also used in the end credits of this episode. Uh, this is kind of the main theme for Indian Remy, uh, along with It Stops Here, which we just talked about. But there's another one when they're actually going off on this adventure together, right? They're so optimistic, or at least Remy is, uh, that, you know, they're going to find this diamond. And uh, we see that great, you know, steamship that when they go to Alexandria. And this is, I think, really kind of almost the main theme for the episode. I don't want to say that because, you know, it really isn't. But actually, that actually brings up a question I wanted to ask you, Max. You know, when we talk about so many of these, you know, kind of themes and the way, you know, melodies are used in, in music, and specifically for Kurt Sobel, which I know is a favorite of yours that we talked about, you know, there's so many themes that reoccur and that are just fantastic, where I feel like there's actually in this score so much material, which is really, really impressive considering the length of this movie. And, you know, I'm sure he only had a week or two to write this music. And I just love the fact that there's a lot of different themes and just tracks that come up where I really don't know if there's a main theme. What's your feeling on sort of the themes and motifs that are used here? Yeah, I mean, there really isn't a main theme. I mean, I guess you could consider the friendship theme the main theme here. But, you know, it's it's kind of interesting that you asked that question. Yeah, there is not really a main theme. But also, something that's very interesting about this track is that it's not happy, but it's also not sad. I mean, it's kind of inspiring, 
but in a way, it's kind of like it's it has a neutral feeling to the song. It's not happy. It's not sad. It's not bad or good. You know, it's just there. It's kind of like it. It's kind of like a track that kind of concludes everything, wraps it up. It, it doesn't. It doesn't have a happy or a sad ending. It just concludes everything. That's interesting, actually, that you pick up on that, because I feel like that's almost exactly what happens in the scene, right? I mean, like, Indy and Remy are going off. Of course, Remy is, you know, so excited about this. But, you know, Indy is kind of wary of the fact that this could all go wrong for them. This is just a wild goose chase. We don't know if we could get this diamond. So that's interesting that you think about that, because it does have, you know, this great melodic theme. There's a beautiful violin theme here. You know, the strings are fantastic. This gradual tempo increase with the woodwinds and the bells there. And then the second climax with, you know, that mellow ending of, you know, the trumpet and the woodwinds. So, you know, there's a lot there that, you know, really is an exciting and, you know, theme. But I don't, I would agree with you to say that, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily bringing up a certain emotion at this point because the scene itself doesn't do that. So interesting analysis there. Yes, definitely. And I also love the woodwinds there at the end and the oboe and the bells. Again, the bells really signify you know, Indy's friendship theme. I guess in that, in a way, Indy's friendship theme is the theme for this episode. But without further ado, let's listen to One Last Adventure. And that is one last adventure as we finally conclude today's soundtrack review. A little bit of a sample of Steve Bramson's fantastic score to Treasure of the Peacock's Eye. And without further ado, let's talk about some favorite tracks and overall thoughts about the similarities and differences that Steve Bramson brought to this score compared to the rest of the soundtracks from Young Indie. Yes, so one of my favorite tracks is Alexander and His Troops. You know, remember the 13-second short one we reviewed earlier. Surprisingly, that's actually one of my favorite tracks. I love the use of the minor second in between the notes and just kind of, it's so short and simplistic yet so intricate and complicated that I know exactly what's happening in that scene. And my other favorite track is One Last Adventure, our last track, because it kind of sums up the entire episode. It gives an overview of all the tracks and, you know, there's just so many different elements of the last track that it is one of my favorite tracks out of this entire episode. I'm going to have to agree with you there on One Last Adventure. Uh, I think that is one of my favorites. I just think it is a fantastic theme that I think really is actually does a great job of, like, you talked about the elements of it, like, bringing the spirit of adventure. You know, when I listen to that, immediately Treasure of the Peacock's Eye comes into my mind. Uh, the other one that I have to go with is Finding the Treasure, because I love the mix of Bramson's original material in there to represent Indy and Remy running off to the temple to find the diamond. Also with the great, amazing rendition of the Idol Temple that is a great throwback to John Williams. But if you listen to them side by side, actually, it's really interesting to hear melodically how Steve Bramson changed the notes and the rhythms a little bit. I really like the rendition that he did. It's absolutely fantastic. And overall, this score, I think, is really, really cool when you break it down because... 
it's so different from all the other scores, and rightfully so. I mean, you have a different composer, and I just have to, again, really kind of emphasize the fact that the composers themselves, along with George Lucas probably, really just emphasize the idea of being original, being creative, doing something yourself. You know, I'm sure there were temp tracks, I'm sure all the composers wanted to be like John Williams, but they weren't confined to that, and I really like that that is so present in this one. Yes, definitely. And, you know, we know that he worked as an orchestrator for Lawrence Rosenthal, so I'm wondering if, you know, maybe he had some uh, inside uh, intelligence on how, you know, the structure of the tracks is supposed to go, because it does have a lot of similarities to Lawrence Rosenthal's music. So I'm guessing he took a lot of inspiration from there and probably talked deeply with Lawrence Rosenthal, maybe even had him on as a side suggester for this episode. Yeah, that's a really great point, actually. You know, I definitely do see kind of the similarities, especially with sort of the, sort of the more mellow and melodic tracks, kind of similar to Lawrence Rosenthal. And uh, yeah, you know, it's so interesting, you know, to be an orchestrator. And actually, yeah, for those of you who maybe don't know what an orchestrator is, kind of a cool job, actually. You know, when you, when you uh, are hired to compose uh, scores and stuff, um, there's really so many moving parts in the film scoring industry. And we could spend a whole episode talking about this, but... Um, there are a lot of people that are already working with uh, Lucas and his team throughout the entire episode. So the sound editors, the sound engineers, uh, the music producers who go to each scoring session and record the music and, you know, you know, work out all the little details. All those people have worked with each and every composer and do every single episode. However, Steve Bramson has his own team of people. And in this case, Lawrence Rosenthal also did. And that includes people like orchestrators, because when composers actually compose music, they're usually doing it on a grand piano. Um, nowadays, sometimes they'll do it on a MIDI keyboard and it automatically composes the score electronically, which is kind of cool. Um, but they're not composing, you know, for a violin, a cello, a contrabassoon, you know, that's not really what they're doing at the time. So some people do their own orchestrations, John Williams most notably usually does, but also, uh, you know, there's just not enough time. And so sometimes composers will hire orchestrators, people that they know or young and up and coming composers to basically fill in the cues for different instruments. So sometimes there'll be instructions like, okay, I want this to be on the violas or I want this to have a certain sound. And basically, you know, it could be from just a few measures of music to an entire cue and the orchestrator is responsible for splitting everything up and organizing it in a different sort of fashion. So it's really interesting kind of like how everything works. You know, there's not just one composer working on this. There's multiple people kind of behind it. There's the musicians and the sound editors, you know, you know, guys like Ben Burt who make this temp tracks and, you know, there's so many moving parts. So uh, I'm sure, you know, Bramson had some great inspiration and, you know, a lot of lessons on not only just composing, but also, you know, how the Young Indie episodes work because, you know, the soundtrack for the show was, was very, very different at its time. So once again, we are here to discuss, celebrate, and promote the fantastic music of Young Indie, and specifically this episode for Steve Bramson. So that about wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, and remember to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. If you'd like to learn more about our podcast, be sure to check out our website at www.theindianajonesuniverse.com and follow us on Facebook or Twitter. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time, so long, Dr. Jones. Jones.